Hello and welcome to Phoenix Talks. My name's Jade and today I'm joined by Ellen Wright, lecturer of film and television history at De Montfort University, to talk about Christmas classic It's a Wonderful Life and why it's still so loved to this day. So why do you think It's a Wonderful Life is loved by so many people? Oh crikey, uh, going in there with a big one straight away. Uh, I think it's loved by so many people because it is the sort of archetypal Christmas film. I think it's something that you can watch together you know and that whole sort of idea of you know Christmas being a holiday for families and that sort of thing um, it's it's in all sorts of ways quite a, a universal story with some really appealing cast members as well I think um, Jimmy Stewart in particular the, the lead uh, actor and Donna Reed are very likeable performers anyway uh, and I think they stand the test of time incredibly well but there's a really strong supporting cast as well of a number of sort of character actors who are cast in, in various other roles, like Uncle Billy, is it Uncle Billy, who uh, runs the uh, mortgage company with, um, with James Stewart's character. And it's very good-humoured and very good-natured. There's some really lovely sort of knockabout comedy in there. There's a fantastic sequence where, where um, they have a party... And Uncle Billy is clearly drunk and he does this thing where he says, oh, where's my hat? And Jimmy Stewart's picked his hat off his head and gives it to him. And he says, you know, to put me in the right direction. And off he wanders off camera. And then you hear this clang as he sort of walks into dustbins and things. And he shouts, I'm all right, from off camera. And it's just these lovely sort of little comic flourishes that I think are really lovely. And then it's just such a, a very Christmassy message as well at the end, that whole idea of um, paying it forward and how eventually your kindness will catch up with you and how that sort of resonates really in a really lovely way with that sort of Christmas message of looking after one another and what have you. So would you say it's the theme of families and the Christmas message that makes it appeal to so many new generations? Yeah, yeah, I think it's very... It, it's. I mean, it, it's obviously... It's set in that first half of the 20th century and obviously it's set in small town America as well. So it's a very Western perspective on families and life. But in all sorts of ways, the city, uh, Bedford Falls, is clearly meant to be like in every city. It's meant to represent every small American town. And you see from the beginning of the century and the upheavals of things like the First World War and those horrible traumas m moving right through to just immediately after the Second World War, the ways in which broader political decisions social changes occur and the effect that it has on those small town families and communities and the way in which they weather that storm like the depression that sort of thing and how communities only weather the storm if there are people like the james stewart character in that you know the, the george character in those communities who care for the weakest and the and the least um, privileged people within those communities and I think that really sort of appeals to people across the generations and you know you sit and watch the film now so I watched it the other night just to refresh my memory and you know I'm watching it and I'm thinking oh my gosh this just this is so pertinent now you know as as we're seeing you know sort of mass homelessness and and people really struggling you know in terms of benefits and that sort of thing you know it resonates here but equally it resonates I would say in America as well I'm thinking about the Mr. Potter character, who's a really unple deeply unpleasant sort of greedy character, and he really em embodies that idea of greed is good. And yeah, you just there's awful examples of casual racism that he throws in there and that sort of thing. And I just think, oh my goodness, you just make me think of 
the current narrative in America around villainizing immigrant groups, people who are less powerful, who are in need of support, and as opposed to helping them, mocking them, and and being cruel to them, you know, you think, oh my goodness, this this has a lot to say about nowadays. You know, things don't change. Human nature doesn't change. So it's, it's like a timeless film. Yeah, absolutely. Much. Yeah, completely timeless. Um, and would you say it's also maybe quite accessible yeah. compared to <laughs> other films from the 40s? Yeah. Do you think it might not be as popular these days mm. or like the average viewer might not seek them out as yeah. much? But It's a Wonderful Life is always watched by people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think there's a barrier automatically because... Um, I don't think it's an issue for for myself or for you, Jade, either. That you know, sort of uh, in terms of if a film's black or white. But I think that can put some black and white. That can put some audiences off. You know, when it's black and white, it must be boring. You know, but we we know better than that, obviously. And the people who attend the Phoenix know better than that. Um, but yeah, I think in certain ways there are certain themes and ideas and approaches that maybe alienate audiences nowadays. Um, you know, from nineteen forties films, but absolutely, I think Capra because uh, it's it's a Frank Capra film. So uh, Capra was a very accessible director, and he had a very particular touch to his film. So, the time that he was creating films, there was a, a term that was coined within um, the popular media or the critical media, anyway, the idea of what was known as Capricorn, uh, and so this idea that Frank Capra would produce quite corny films that actually would appeal to um, very particular audiences and that idea of corn suggests that sort of scorn that was poured upon these films by certain critics but these films played really well with the general public they wanted the sentimentality they wanted the really likeable characters they loved Jimmy Stewart you know and Jimmy Stewart and, and Capra have a really effective partnership they work together a number of times and they clearly are very good friends and they get one another really uh, really well and Frank Capra says yeah it's his favourite of his films that he he made as well he, you know um, he said that in subsequent interviews that he's very proud of it and I think he said he screened it every year for his family at yeah, Christmas yeah yeah um, but, you know it surprised me though it wasn't massively popular when it was originally released which is very bizarre yeah so it's strange to us now because everyone just knows it as a classic mm, yeah why do you think it wasn't a success <laughs> at the time like, at the box office and with critics mm. it's got lukewarm reception yeah absolutely so it's credited as as receiving um you know sort of not doing great at the box office with the general public didn't do badly didn't do badly at all and um but it didn't do great by capra's standards and the the reason that's put forward for this is that when the film was initially released the weather was atrocious really terrible weather and things like that affect box office take you know um it's that idea of you know uh, by all accounts it was really snowy you know really terribly terribly cold and audiences just didn't want to go out in the cold and you know as is the you know sort of as is the way with uh, films at that particular point you don't necessarily get as long a run of a film uh, in the 1940s as you would do now unless the film's incredibly popular you get a much more rapid turnover you have like you know cinema houses that would have three changes a week so if the audience didn't you know if you've got a couple of nights of consistent bad weather that affects your take very very quickly and then they'll whip the film out then and say it's not performing well so it doesn't matter films are a much more throwaway uh, commodity in that period than maybe they are now 
what would you say um, makes a Christmas classic? Um, I think you've got to have that feel-good feeling, haven't you? So, I mean, there's a number of other films that I can think of that make for sort of class, you know, the, the sort of classics. There's another Capra classic that I would say um, is another sort of Christmas stalwart, and that would be uh, Meet John Doe. And something like Meet John Doe anyway, which is a, a narrative about homelessness, a homeless man... Uh, and is he going to commit suicide because he's miserable? And then he, he finds a renewed, like he, he discovers kindness, and then he realizes he doesn't want to kill himself. You know, so there's a classic theme there of redemption, um, a fallen character, you know, showing kindness, showing love, that sort of thing, and how that's really important in that sort of Christmas spirit. Similarly, as well, something like Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. So that there, that idea of love and faith in one another as well. So Miracle on 34th Street is the notion that um, uh, Santa Claus is real, which we all know obviously is the case, but he's taken to court uh, around, you know, is he he just a mad old man who believes he's Santa Claus or is he really Santa Claus? And that's a really lovely Christmas film as well, Um, that sort of classical Hollywood period. I think it's that idea of sort of, you know, sort of showing love, showing affection for one another, looking out for one another, but having a sort of wonderment about the world as well. And, and that kindness comes out of that idea of not being cynical, but being open to new experiences and that sort of an idea and the way in which sort of Christmas sets people up for that sort of thing. Because maybe they're more inclined during that Hollywood period to take a step outside of their everyday lives and say... Um, oh, you know, maybe actually I'll take the time to take some mince pies to my neighbour or I'll invite, you know, whoever around for a glass of mulled wine or, you know, as you're wandering around at Christmas markets being nice to one another and that sort of thing. So I'd say that's, you know, what comes across in these films. Do you think maybe, would you say earlier uh, Christmas films from like the 40s, 50s, mm. do you think they embody those elements more than modern Christmas films? <laughs> um, I don't know, because I mean, there are there's some great Christmas classics out there, you know, sort of much more recent, you know, mu- uh, like Muppet Christmas Carols, flipping brilliant, you know. And in all sorts of ways, I will say that uh, It's a Wonderful Life is sort of a variant on um, uh, a Christmas Carol. But yeah, you know, films like um, as well Elf and Scrooged, uh, you know, there are various, you know, cracking Christmas films that are out, you know, that have been released in the last however many years. There's some terrible ones as well, some truly, truly terrible ones. Um, but I do wonder if there's something very nostalgic, you know, the black and white film, you know, you automatically know you're stepping into another era. And I do wonder if there's some sort of rose tinted nostalgia that goes on there um, around these films that appeals to audiences um, and thinking around why this film has subsequently become popular again. I think there is a nostalgia element to it, although there is a very particular story to why um, it became popular again and it became popular again because it fell out of copyright in the 1970s so tv companies could use the film whenever they wanted and they weren't you know it was it was a free film basically that they could pop onto their channels so what you get is a number of in america in particular cable channels that would show this film and, and they look at it and they think oh it's clearly a christmas film so we'll show it at christmas that'll fill up a slot on our our schedules so this film starts to emerge as something that appears regularly at Christmas and then that becomes part of people's Christmas tradition, you know, and that's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? Traditions. So then people every year, oh, we watched this last year, it was a lovely feel-good film with a Christmas message, we'll watch it again next year. And it's become a real thing now, hasn't it, over the years. Now it's part of the Christmas 
tradition. Okay, so Phoenix, they have a season on this um, year for Christmas called Twisted yes. Christmas. Yes, yeah. Um, obviously, you were saying like Christmas ones are all about like family, love, giving, yeah. all those kind of yeah. things. Why do you think some people find enjoyment in darker themes being in Christmas films or Christmas slashes? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Things like that. Um, so I think it's, you know, Christmas is a for most or for many people is a lovely time about family and so on and so forth and uh shoring up relationships but then naturally you know the the flip side of that is that christmas can be a trip can be a truly miserable time for other people um and and you know i think as well there is something about the marketing of Christmas as well that seems incredibly cynical and the way in which, you know, as soon, literally the day after Halloween and we've been sold all the Halloween tat, the next day you get the Christmas adverts on the television and the Christmas music is in the shops and so on and so forth. And I do think some people just think, oh, you're, you've got to be kidding me. Actually, I don't, want to, I don't want to play into this. I want to do something a little bit different here and I want to seek my pleasures in a slightly different way, actually, and see themselves as, you know, sort of tapping into something a little bit alternative. So they go for, like you say, like slasher films or much darker Christmas films that actually ridicule and parody those Christmas messages and sort of say, you know, these are really actually quite problematic. And, you know, if you're going to be kind to your neighbour this one day a year, why aren't you kind to your neighbour every single day? Time, you know every day of the year and you know if you're worried about homeless people on Christmas day why aren't you worried about homeless people at other points of the year or you know it's perfectly fine to say that you know there's goodwill to all men across you know all men across the world yet we have wars in various other countries who who don't traditionally celebrate Christmas you know and and we show no respect for them in all sorts of ways so I think it's it's a really interesting take on these things that you know people say ah, I'm going to do something absolutely a bit different here or it's just a case of, I like a slasher film. I'm a bit bored by watching, you know, the true, you know, watching Elf. I want to watch something a bit darker and scarier, you know. Um, and so would you say that It's a Wonderful Life is the greatest Christmas film? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say it's one of the greatest, certainly. I might say Meet John Doe might be up there with being um, not far off, really not far off at all from... Uh, you know they're they're very very close, but I can see why the Phoenix. I know that Phoenix show this film every year, and it's uh, it's a charity screening, and the money goes to very worthy causes. And I can see why they do that, and I can see why people turn up to it as well. It's a really lovely idea, um, and it's a really lovely film to sort of to you know to 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 give out that message around you know charitable acts and being kind. You know that final scene whereby. Um, you know, so, spoiler alert. I won't go into too much detail, but George's kindness is repaid. Um, every, literally every single time, uh, I will. I will always watch it over Christmas at some point. Normally with a glass of mulled wine and a mince pie, um, and maybe it's because I've had, maybe I had a couple of mulled wines. But I will always have something in my eye at that concluding scene. You know, because you think, yeah, I hope the world's like that. I'm not sure whether it is, but I hope it is, and I hope people are that kind. Thanks to Ellen for joining me today. It's a Wonderful Life screens at Phoenix from Friday the 14th to Monday the 24th of December. Thanks for listening, have a great Christmas and hope you tune in next time.